Hey guys, this is Homeroom with Smooth Podcast episode 131. I got with me Dr. DL, and we are back here to discuss critical race theory. How's it going? What's up, Doc? Thank you for having me again. Oh yeah, oh yeah, yeah, yeah. It's yeah, it's good to, good to have you back. Um, this was uh, this was by demand. Um, the people wanted to see you. They wanted they wanted to bring you back for further discussion. Okay, so, sounds um, good. Yeah, so here we are. We, we here we are. Um, I think where we should start at is basically talking about like the common misconceptions because I believe like some of the common misconceptions about critical race theory is that a lot of people tend to think like it's teaching that oh your your people were the bad guy and you were you were this bad person and you are inherently this bad person excuse me, and you're always going to be a bad person when it's not even that. Like, I feel a lot of people feel defensive about it when other countries seem to have no problem accepting their past. So, um, so the really interesting thing about the misconceptions, uh, they're framing it as a historical teaching that it has something to do with K through 12 education. And it has absolutely nothing to do with K through 12 education, right? And so they're framing it as not only uh, as critical race theory, they're, they're using uh, critical race theory as the framework to talk about race because it has critical and race in it, uh, and implying that to history. And, and and we know K through 12 education, you're going to get history or social uh, studies mm-hmm. uh, at, at that level. But that's that's the glaring uh, misconception about this. Then what you were just talking about is the use of history mm-hmm. and, and, and talking about, you know, good guys, bad guys and all that other kind of stuff. But none of that has anything to do with actual critical race theory. And so what they're doing is creating a framework for us to I have to discuss the topic on their level, right? Uh, this is how, so one of my friends, mm-hmm. he was um, saying that, you know, the perception is the reality and the reality is the perception. And I was trying to go in on why that is, you know, highly problematic. But we were, or, uh, but the thing that we were actually talking about was not critical race theory. We were talking about feminism, mm. Mm. right? And so one of the things about feminism is that people think it is all these things that is not. And so you end up having a conversation surrounding the things that is not or people's misperceptions of those things. Mm -hmm. So they can't hear what it actually is. And so feminism, all feminism cares about is creating equality and equity for women. That's it. Anything else that you believe that feminism is, you're wrong about, right? That's all feminism is, right? Uh, Is the equity and equality for women. Mm -hmm. And so critical race theory um, is not or and has never been about history and the teaching of history to anybody and uh, i know uh, you know we we, we you know the, the the of course the um the issue that i'm having is i want to tell you what 
it actually is, well, we can then have a, a more robust conversation. So I'm going to go ahead and do that. So critical race theory is a law. It is a law school theory. And so you have to get your bachelor's degree, be accepted into law school, go to a law school that teaches critical race theory mm-hmm. right, to even be introduced to critical race theory. Right. It only applies to the law. Here's what the issue is when it comes to history, is that all of law, everything about law, and we're seeing this with Roe versus Wade, everything about law is about history, right? Mm-hmm. But it's just a legal history. And so when people like uh, Kimberly Crenshaw and uh, Derek Bell and these other mm-hmm. uh, critical race theoreticians put this idea out into the world, they were looking at the systemic and systematic portions of racism mm-hmm. and they use history, which is what they're used to doing in case law, mm-hmm. to talk about, and so when we talk about systematic and systemic, right? Systematic means basically how the government is set up, right? You don't need an individual quote unquote bad guy for mm-hmm. racism to exist. And so they was trying to show you the structural mm-hmm. racism. And so uh, Donald Trump decides to use this as a dog whistle to get people who don't know anything about this right, and push this agenda. And so now we are having this conversation surrounding a concept that never existed, right? I, mm-hmm. I, I have a bachelor's degree in history and I have a PhD. I, I, uh, I skipped the master's level. So I got a bachelor's and a PhD in history, and I'm not taking one class in critical race theory. Even when I was in law school, I wasn't in law school long enough. But even if I had been in law school long enough, the university I was at didn't teach critical race theory. Mm. Right? And so it's not even at every university. And so all of a sudden, he he, he uses this as this um, dog whistle mm-hmm. that and, and this red meat that they could latch onto because it got critical in it and it got race in it which then he then painted as this story of good guys, bad guys, and they're going to teach your kids to hate themselves and to hate you and all this other kind of stuff. Right. Mm, that's wow. Wow. So that, man. So Trump Trump was where that came from. Yeah, Trump, Trump is where it came from, right? When he was running for the 2020 election, he threw it out there to get people to bite into it. But people hated him more than they hated, hated the concept of critical race theory. Mm-hmm. And so he lost that election. But, you know, I'm in Virginia right now. Mm-hmm. And the governor now, I don't know what his name is, um, that guy became elected because he used a critical race theory. He said that on day one, he would get rid of critical race theory in K-12 schools. And that got him elected. Because mm-hmm. the Democrat that was running against him at first refused to even speak to it because he knew how asinine they were conflating it. And so by the time mm-hmm. he, he decided he wanted to address it, it was too late. He had already lost those quote unquote moderates. And, and we remember what King said about those moderates, but that's a whole nother conversation. Mm-hmm. I mean, I mean, honestly, we can go there with the moderates, honestly, like just, just real quick, like, because I, I, I truly believe like a lot of people, they, they, they tend to, portray that they're on our side but they're actually not they're always going to at the end of the day vote in their own self-interest right and, that's, which, and so going to king and the birmingham uh jail letter 
he he like hey all y'all y'all all you quote unquote cats moderates that's on the fence every last one of you is for my oppression and so when a moderate then says or anybody when they say that i can vote for you know this particular party in in this case the republican party the republican party brand is my oppression that, like that's their brand and yeah. so anybody that votes for them, I don't care what the single, like, you know, they'll say, you know, I got this single issue, like abortion might be the single issue that I'm going to vote for. Well, that's not the only thing that they are going to legislate. And so they're going to legislate yeah. my oppression. And so what you're doing is voting for my oppression, yeah. right? Period. I ain't saying that, you know, um, we are we are a two-party system, period. You're throwing away your vote if you're using... Uh, a third party, right? We are a two-party system. Only two parties in this nation, on a federal level, have a chance to win. And so one party is vehemently uh, for my oppression, overtly, and another party is going to be more the moderate, right? Um, so, I, you know, so if y'all listen to my podcast, you're going to hear me talk about this again. And so mm -hmm. I, give, I, I preview it on yours. So when I relaunched my uh, Black Rage podcast, because there's so much going on that I'm raging about, so I'm relaunching my Black Rage podcast. Mm -hmm. And the first thing I'm going to talk about is Reconstruction. Okay. And, and why I'm going to talk about Reconstruction, you might ask, is that after the Civil War, people believe that the Republican Party, not the one that exists today, the Republican Party of Lincoln, the Lincoln Republican Party, Mm -hmm. um, had quote-unquote freed the enslaved people. Well, they hadn't. And so there was two groups of um, Republicans. Mm -hmm. You had the um, progressive Democratic Party, or um, the, they called them the rat. Not I, I, I'm conflating. So Reconstruction is going to be the radical, uh, the radical Republicans, mm -hmm. and in to twenty first century is going to be the progressive Democrats, and then you got the moderate Democrats, and then you got the moderate Republicans uh, going historically. The radical Republicans didn't give a good goddamn about black people. All they cared about was punishing the South. That's all they cared about. Mm -hmm. And so anything that so happened to help black people, that was second thought to them wanting to punish those Confederates. Because those Confederates, remember, are traitors. Mm -hmm. They could have been put to death, right? Those, all of them were traitors. And yes. so uh, we, we, we forget this, right? The Confederate States of America was its own nation. So when we talk about the North versus the South, we, we erase that history that they saw themselves as a different nation, just like when we teach U.S. history, we mm -hmm. they do the declaration, well, even before they do the Declaration of Independence, but right. when they decide to leave Britain, we start counting this as a different nation. Right. Right? So so did the Confederate States of America. So it was not, just not North versus South, anyhow. So you have these radical Republicans who don't give a damn about Black people, but they're going to help Black people, but they don't give a damn mm -hmm. about them. Then you got these other moderates. And so when we look at the progressive Democrats, and I'm tied all together, when we look at these progressive yeah. Democrats, they care about this idea of economics mm -hmm. and punishing Trump and the Trumpy, you know, world, right? Mm -hmm. So that's how they rolled in in 2020. But they don't really care about black people. How do we know they don't care about black people? Because the progressive portion of the Democratic Party Mm -hmm. Except for, no, 
I, not even her. Uh, the progressives in the Democratic Party, none of them wanted to address reparations for African-Americans. And so Bernie Sanders, when he ran in 2016 and when he ran in 2020, when he was put to this, Several times he was told, like he originally he was like, we can do better, we can do more things with that money, we can do these other things and all those other kind of stuff. And so he didn't. He, he wants black votes, he wants black anger, but he doesn't want to do anything about it. And he was the leader of the Progressive Party, and mm-hmm. the Progressive Party within the Democratic Party are, are still like that, and they want to punish Trump. And so look, let's how, do, how does this tie all tie in? Mm-hmm. So how is uh, Trump? using critical race theory and these Republicans using this, it is mm-hmm. attacking voting. It's atta- attacking education. It, mm-hmm. right, it's attacking affirmative action. It's attacking all of these things that has gone too far, right? We've, we've created oppression for a majority group in a country that's created for them structurally, that is created for them. But they feel like they are being oppressed because of this idea of critical race theory, affirmative action, political correctness, woke culture, right? Council mm-hmm. culture, all these uh, dog whistles that they're using. And guess what? In the damn near two years that uh, since Biden has been elected, he hasn't mm-hmm. done one thing for black people to mitigate any of this, mm-hmm. just like those radical Republicans. Mm-hmm. And so we're losing. So when, when they are attacking our voting, Right. They're attacking our voting, right? Right. What right. do they do? The Democrats do absolutely nothing and tell black people to outvote the, the, the racism. Yeah. You're putting our oppression on us overcoming it instead of you blocking them from doing it. Right. Which then goes back to Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali said there was five thousand rattlesnakes. They asked him, uh, they asked him why was he as a, as a black separatist or a black nationalist, why was he like that? And he was like, so there's 5,000 rattlesnakes coming at you and you're at your door. There's 5,000 rattlesnakes coming at you. Do you wait for the 2,000 good rattlesnakes to form a line to block the 3,000 or did you close the door on all of them, right? Mm. And so that's where we are, right? We, we're at a place where you have Things like critical race theory, woke culture, cancel culture, mm-hmm. being used to create white people believing that they're oppressed in some shape, form, or fashion, and right. the people that we're electing don't want to do a goddamn thing about it. Mm-hmm. They don't even want to address it. Right? Like I said, the Democrat that ran in Virginia, he's not the governor. He was up. It was going to be a landslide. He had already because Virginia is different than other states. You can't run back. You can't. Uh, they can't have consecutive terms here. Mm-hmm. And so he he was the governor, let's say from 2012, what year is um So yeah, uh, it was, what year is this? So 21. So, um, uh, so 2017, so 2017, so 2013. So 2013 to 17, this mm-hmm. guy was the governor. Yeah. And then another Democrat came in from 2017 to 2021. Mm-hmm. Right. And and so the guy that was royal like he was the uh, Obama guy. He um mm-hmm. he was the uh, chairperson or something like that when Obama ran for the first time. Yeah. Um he was all polls showing he was on top that it was gonna be an easy win because he had a proven record of already being the governor, right? Yeah. And because he didn't address it, he lose he loses. Right. And so um right, and, and when we look at the midterms right now. 
they're talking talking about how do we get you know African Americans to be excited, and you're not addressing all the issues that African Americans are facing because you're afraid of these titles of being woke of critical race theory, right? Of cancel culture. You're you're scared of these things. And so you you allow the misnomer surrounding it mm-hmm. and allowing that to continue and not fight against it. And yeah. you're telling black people who are the oppressed group to outdo something. And so um we and so history has shown mm-hmm. that just like with the <laughs> Once again, history is, is 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 so important. This is the reason why they are attacking history to take this stuff out. Because if you knew this, and so I, I'm I'm bad with dates. I'm a historian that's bad with dates, right? But mm-hmm. I, I believe I'm right. There's a Civil Rights Act of 1875. Watch this. The Civil Rights Act of 1875 did a whole bunch of things, right? The Supreme Court strikes it down for one part of it. The Supreme Court said that because uh, the, the Civil Rights Act of 1875 allowed for, uh, they said that African-Americans could not be discriminated against by the government or by individuals, okay? The mm-hmm. Supreme Court, just like we got now, the mm-hmm. Supreme Court then said, well, we, we think the government shouldn't discriminate against its citizens. But we don't believe that an individual or company shouldn't be able to, you know, discriminate against someone. The government doesn't have a right to do that. So instead of striking that portion of the act down, they mm-hmm. strike the whole thing down. Mm. By striking the whole thing, the whole thing down, this gives entree to when the end of Reconstruction happened to what we uh, African American historians call the Nadir period. Uh, N-A-D-I-R, the Nadir period. And the Nadir means the lowest point. Uh, uh, this guy named Rayford Logan, he, uh, African-American historian, he mm-hmm. named the point after enslaving the lowest point, right? This mm-hmm. Nadir period. And it was ushered in through this, like these, these Supreme Court um, making illegal or striking down certain laws that were protected African-Americans. Mm-hmm. That then they can throw in their own interpretations, right? Which is an interesting thing because that's what Roe versus Wade is doing. The mm-hmm. way that they're constructing Roe versus Wade is going to have this major impact. And so mm-hmm. we're seeing this attack on critical race theory, on voting rights. We're seeing these attacks and they're happening simultaneously. And so uh, I can go on forever. So I, I, I'll stop. And so. Um, <laughs> <laughs> no, you're good. You're good. You're giving out good info, man. You're giving out great info. This is giving out great info because, um, man, there's so much that you said. I'm trying to think what what where I wanna where I wanna go first. Um, okay, so to go all the way back, so go all the way back. Um, uh, man, I don't remember exactly what you said, so I'm just gonna step forward. So, so, um, <laughs> well, stop me next time. Stop me. I can go. No, on okay, here. okay, yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's all good. It's all good. So with the Supreme Court structure, right? that you that you said right and because i think i think for me when i see roe v wade about to get struck down like all i can see is a cascade effect of a bunch of other things that they'll potentially just start going for like if they go for that like nothing's safe no more like everything's on the line they can go as far back as they want to and just start just chopping 
the law. Well, well see, that's not the. It, it's not about it chopping up the law. So my little stint in law school, one of the things it taught me was, and this is where the the lawyers on social media and stuff are raising or uh, the alarm. They're ringing the bell. Mm-hmm. Here's what the problem is. Here's what the problem is. Here's what the problem is. Yeah. Because we have uh, the guy that just, he, um, he was the Supreme Court uh, Chief Justice. Uh, he died. Um, Roberts? No, no. He was a Republican uh, appointee in the 1980s. He came up with this concept of, of calling it, uh, he was an originalist. And he wanted to look at the original um meaning of the constitution if it was not the original meaning of the constitution it should not count right and so what they're doing is saying that and so what they're saying by saying that if it wasn't guaranteed by the constitution it's up to the states to decide that is such a wide breadth of other Supreme Court cases mm-hmm. that are now not only uh, that could be up, but also legislation that can be uh, attacked mm-hmm. as unconstitutional because of this interpretation. What does that mean? That means something like affirmative action. So does that include amendments too? So it doesn't include amendments. Okay, okay, I just... So the 13th, 14th, and 15th Amendment was stand. But guess what? We already know that integration was not part of the Constitution. It's still not part of the Constitution. And so we can they can throw out Brown. There's nothing to say that they can't throw out Brown and allow state to then legislate separate Mm. because there's nothing in this country that says you were supposed to be equal Mm. it says equal protection under the law but it doesn't say you have to be you know integrated there's no integration and so when we go back to those framers and what they intended with certain things uh, they didn't intend for African-Americans to be equal or integrated in within society. Some of them were against slavery. Mm-hmm. They, they were not for equal rights for African-Americans. And so two different things. And so um, so we, we can get affirmative action. LGBTQ, all right? Mm-hmm. Marriage, that's gone. Yeah. That's not a constitutional right. Women's rights, beyond just the ability to control their bodies and have a say in their own body. Divorce, like a lot of people don't know what women were up against. Yeah. Divorce, uh, owning property in this nation was, right? We don't know how archaic they want to go, but some things are still on the mm-hmm. books. They just didn't have to, they didn't throw them out. Anyhow, uh, with this, you don't have a right to privacy. And so the, the, the pastor uh, of the church that I attend, uh, mm-hmm. he, he brought something else in that I didn't think about before. Yeah. The Constitution does not guarantee you a right to privacy. It's a hodgepodge of Supreme Court interpretations of laws. 
mm. or amendment, but it's wow. not actually in there. Um, and so privacy, as we understand it, can just disappear. So th- wait, there's no privacy acts? I thought there was a privacy act on the books or no? Not in the United States. I can look it up again, but um, yeah, you don't have a right to privacy. It is uh, not a constitutional right. Oh, okay. So I thought I thought I thought um, uh, Congress passed something. Um, yeah, they did it. They did it just like recently. Maybe I'm just tripping. So right. So no, I'm, that's just that's just information. That I'm thinking about the one of seventy four. It just establishes a code of fair information practices that governs collection, maintenance, use, and dissemination of information about individuals that is maintained in systems of records by the federal agencies, by federal agencies. Yeah, the, the, uh, I'm, I'm on Wikipedia. The Constitution of the United States and the United States Bill of Rights do, do not explicitly include a right to privacy. Currently, no federal law takes a holistic approach to privacy regulation. We don't have a right to it, mm. right? You believe you do, right? You, you'll say, I got the right to privacy. No, you don't. The Constitution does not guarantee you the right to privacy. Mm. And so all of a sudden, it, 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 like once again, a lot of things can happen. A lot of things can um, have a domino effect to where right. you have to live in certain states, right? Uh, to be able to have certain rights. Right. Yeah. And, and, and so it's it's uh, it's amazing. And the like I said, the linchpin is when they come for African-Americans historically, when they come for African-Americans, they come for everybody. Yeah. That's not white man, male, heterosexual land owning. Right. They, they, when they come for black people, they come for everybody. But right yeah. now, everybody is only looking at. Th- the idea that it's happening to black people. And so, and then watch this. Somebody uh, else talked about this recently. This mm-hmm. leaked document, this leaked document. Now, I, I don't think the Supreme Court has ever had a leaked document before, a leaked draft. Yeah. We had a leaked draft at the point where Clarence Thomas' wife is under investigation for her participation in January 6th and how much her husband is involved in that. Mm-hmm. To either get him impeached or, or at least have to recuse himself. But what are we talking about now? Strictly. Just a leak. We only talking about the leak. That yeah. won't, we won't know anything until the summer. Mm-hmm. We won't know what that is until the summer. But that's what we ain't talking about no more. It's Claire yeah. Summer's wife and her connections and what we need to be doing with the Supreme Court. Not because if we then, because you can be impeached. And so should Clarence Thomas be impeached? We're not having those conversations anymore. I personally feel like he should, man, because that, that's kind of wild. Like, that's your significant other. She's out there advocating for, and you can't tell me that you're not going to have, when that case comes up, you're not going to have bias. But that's, that's your wife. Y'all don't already have the conversation. She ain't keeping that to herself. Oh, yes, she's definitely not. Right. And so, but we're not talking about that no more mm-hmm. because that would change the dynamic of the Supreme Court. Because now instead of uh, three, six, it would be four, mm-hmm. five. Mm. 
right? And then, you know, once again, when it was about black people, right? The filibuster. The filibuster is a racist tool yep. that was created, right? And so when it was dealing with black people, we wanted to keep the filibuster. Now, they, uh, they just did a fake vote, right? They knew we weren't going to make it because of the filibuster, of course, mm -hmm. about uh, legislating women's rights to choose. And of course, it failed. And so, um, um, I lost my thought. Yeah, um, you were saying like women's rights to choose, they were legislating it. So, when black people were being attacked, the filibuster was not something to be, it, it's part of the history. Mm -hmm. Although the history is racist. Now that is white women, it was women, um, including white women, but more more important, African American women. But we were going when we look at the question of women, we usually think about white women. Are we going to start having different conversations now that they're coming for white women instead of black people around the filibuster, mm -hmm. around the increase the number? Because the biggest thing that happened. Under Trump, Trump appointed more federal judges than anybody. Yeah, he went ever. crazy. Well, no, it was because um, what is his name, Mitch McConnell? Yeah, held up Obama from appointing anybody. Yeah, and so he was able to get in all of these conservatives on the federal bench to shape our rights and stuff. And so we need to do something mm -hmm. to offset that. And once again, those moderate Democrats. Like those mm -hmm. moderate Republicans during Reconstruction, like uh, what's his name? What's his name? He's the main dude in the Senate that always is holding stuff up. Uh, Manchin, Manchin. Oh, uh, uh, the the West Virginia guy, yeah, uh, yeah Joe yeah. Manchin. Manchin, yeah, yeah. I mean, consistently, every time without fail, he's always the person that's like, you know what? Nah, I'm gonna be conservative today. Nah, yeah. I'm gonna be conservative today. And I'm just like, it, are you even democratic? Like. I feel like he's honestly just a proxy. Well, it, it, for him to be elected in West Virginia, he has to be, right? But just like during Reconstruction, mm -hmm. the moderates only cared about staying in office. Yeah. That's all they cared about. Just like these moderates. Joe Biden only cares about staying in office and all the moderates that come with him. Right? The progressives, like those radicals, don't want to help black people because that's too radical. That's too yeah. progressive. Yeah, we'll make policies that will help black people, but you know, mm -hmm. they they won't be the focus. And so, um, so critical race theory, and attaching it to history, mm -hmm. is to take away your ability to have this information. So watch this as black people, as an African American history professor, mm -hmm. at a college, at HBCU, trying to get black students to learn about African-American history. Mm -hmm. They don't want to learn about it. That's they don't crazy. think it's important. That's crazy. Right? They don't think it's important. And, and, and what are the, like, think about it. We are a capitalist nation. And as a capitalist nation, you know what a capitalist nation value is what they put their money on. Mm -hmm. And they put a lot of money on erasing black people history. Why? Because it's so powerful. Because if you know our history, you can see this coming. 
I'm telling you what's happening. Yep. I'm showing you the parallels. This is the reason why I studied the time period after enslavement, not during enslavement. I, I studied after enslavement because mm-hmm. I saw the writing on the wall after the Reconstruction, what they call the so-called civil rights movement. They called it the second Reconstruction. Mm-hmm. So that means we heading for a nadir period. And then we're going to head for this Jim Crow period, right? That's what our history has taught us. And surely enough, we head into it. We in the nadir period now under, under Trump. Trump, so what, what the nadir period had, what we call this de facto and de jure. De facto means by custom. Mm-hmm. De jure means by law. And so first we got the customs, right? We mm-hmm. got the, step, you got to step off the sidewalk. You, you got to call all white people Mr. and Miss, right? You don't get to be called by your uh, proper titles. Every last one of you, boy, girl, uh, everybody can call you by your first name and all this other kind of stuff, right? So we get these kinds of things. And then we get the organizations like the KKK that's going to enforce these rules. Think mm-hmm. about under Trump, how many African-Americans died at the hand of police or want to be police or white vigilantes, right? For breaking these rules, for speaking up, or speaking out, and all this other kind of stuff, right? Uh, or, or for just being black. And now here comes the let. The, the, so that's the de facto. And then the de jury happened with a couple of court cases, but the major one was the uh, Plessy decision in 1896. Mm-hmm. You get this Plessy decision in 1896, and then you. Uh, and so this is where we're heading, and it's going to end up being the road decision that's mm-hmm. going to help create the space for regulation. And so we also had that mm-hmm. overturning of that um, from a uh, from a day uh, jury standpoint. We, we got the overturning of the Civil Rights Act of 1875, mm-hmm. right? And so these things lead up to Jim Crow. And so right now, mm-hmm. what we need to be figuring out is what we're going to call this new Jim Crow. That's what we need to be figuring out. What we need to be figuring out, the name of this new, what, what, what we're going to name this era. And let's not call it Jim Crow 2.0. <laughs> right. Let's come up with a new, you know, saying we, 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 the oppression is coming. Yeah. And, and we got people, and, and, and it's because of this critical race theory for make us, right? The miseducation of the Negro, Carter G. Woodson, who started Black History Week, that then became Negro History Week, that became Black, Black History Month. Mm-hmm. This is uh, exactly what he was predicting. We don't know our own history. Mm-hmm. Right. And so these white people are attacking our history because they know how powerful our history is. Okay. I, I have a I have a question for you. Like, okay, so we know they're gonna do what they're gonna do, right? Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's set in stone. It's pretty set in stone. And the other people, they're gonna and by and large go for their own self-interest. There there's sprinkle a few few really good human beings out there in there. What about the other minority groups because i'm just wondering like what are y'all even thinking about because y'all know if it's us y'all coming to like well like y'all not staying as well like well um so you know there's a there's a lot to it right here's the thing about the western world um i don't know how much of a history lesson y'all want um, so there's this thing called social Darwinian thinking or social mm-hmm. Darwinism excuse me and social Darwinism is taking the ideas of Charles Darwin mm-hmm. and his ideas of evolution 
and applying it to the concept of quote-unquote civilization and quote-unquote human races, right? Mm. So they take these two concepts and, 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 and they invent both of them, but civilization as a concept is really invented in the, in the 18th and 19th century, okay? Mm -hmm. And in creating this concept of civilization alongside social Darwinian thinking, they created a hierarchy, and in creating this hierarchy, what they said, and they used some of the biology, right, mm -hmm. from Charles Darwin, they said Africans, they, they, they take for fact that evolution took place. And, but, he, but Darwin said the evolution of species, right? And humans are supposed to be one species. And this is not what these uh, social Darwinian thinkers or eugenics uh, thinkers mm. came up with. They then said okay. when apes became human, then humans kept on evolving. And Africans are the missing link between those apes and that continuation of evolution, making whites at the top of that evolution, evolutionary chain, which made their quote-unquote civilization and their ideas of civilization at the top, okay? Which made Africans be perpetually at the bottom forever. So why is this important? Why am I bringing this up right now? Mm -hmm. Is because the Western world promoted this concept that Africans are the least of all so-called minorities or other quote-unquote races, right? Mm -hmm. And so guess what? Because we don't understand the structure and system that's in place for our oppression, you started getting people who are quote-unquote minorities, who will be in the same boat as Africans, saying we ain't like them. Treat us better. Point in case. Mohat Mugambi. Mo yeah, that's his name. Mm -hmm. Right? We know him as all these protests and nonviolence. Hmm? I said peace. Yep, all that. <laughs> what we don't know is that England or the United Kingdom or the British Empire was one of the largest empires. They were slick with it too. That's what they did. Because they believed in eugenics ideas and social Darwinian as well. And this is the reason why they colonized Africa. They're going to colonize India. And so what they do is, and they're going to colonize Hong Kong and all this, right? So they're going to take Indians from India and place them in South Africa. Okay? Where they also colonize. And they're going to take some of those Asians or Chinese because India is in Asia too, but we don't call them Asians for whatever reason. And so uh, we're going to take the Chinese and, and we're going to place them also in um, South Africa and in Jamaica and these other places, right? That's part of this empire. But peep this. They then tell the Africans, the South Africans, that they, they, they're giving Indians from India opportunities, job opportunities in South Africa where mm -hmm. the native African can't get opportunities. And so Gandhi actually argued that, that they should not be with those Africans. Mm. 
that yeah. with apartheid that they should get their own door because they they mm-hmm. better than those Africans, those Native Africans. We the Indian was in the nation, the South African nation, mm-hmm. but they're better than them, wow. right? Because we promoted the Western world has promoted. Africans as the least human. Mm-hmm. And so when we go back into the United States, and so whether they're homegrown or imported, they still believe Africans to be the least ones. So once we step up, they will be a part of the movement or use us to get what they need, like historically, right? Historically, you get these other movements, including for white women, that come out of black movements and our fight for equal rights and equity. Mm -hmm. And so your question to me, oh, can we depend on them? No. (laughs) No. (laughs) Right? Like, I'm not going to put the foot around it. But the answer is no. History is right. going to teach me. Mm-hmm. Right? History has taught me. Mm-hmm. Because where were they at when we were losing our voting? Mm. True. Right? Ain't nobody, where were they at, you know? So, so, um, uh, like you said, they, by and large, oh, I can't remember, it's something like Natasha Harlan or something like that. Mm-hmm. Natasha Harlan, and you know, I'm a, I'm a, well, you don't know. I'm, I'm a huge Tupac fan. Tupac saved mm-hmm. my life is what I tell people all the time. And I, in, in my podcast, I might talk about uh, Tupac and how he saved my life. Mm-hmm. But Tupac, in one of his songs, he talked about remembering Natasha Harlan or Natasha Harlan or Latasha Harlan, whatever her name was. She died in like 91, 92, 93, somewhere in there because it's the 30-year anniversary. Um, either last year or this year. Was it's the 30, uh, 30 year anniversary of her trying to in LA or so in, in California? It could have been in the LA world, mm-hmm. right? I don't know all the little towns and stuff, but in the LA world, mm-hmm. she was out there trying to. She, she literally had the money in her hand, she was trying to buy something to drink, but she had already opened it and was drinking it and, and was about to buy it. Asian woman shot and killed her. Wow, shot and killed her. Okay, I think I remember this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And in, in yeah. fact, they're doing some kind of documentary or or something mm-hmm. surrounding it and trying to do some healing between that, right? And so when we think about, let's look at our community, right? Let's look in in, in mostly black communities. Mm-hmm. Think about it. You have people from India. Um, I'm a Denzel Washington fan. Yeah. So he did this movie called Mississippi Molasses or Masala, mm-hmm. something like that. I don't remember what uh, I had to look it up. It's about, mm-hmm. it's set in Mississippi where he falls in love with a woman who was mm-hmm. from India and how much his folks didn't want, how much her folks didn't want him, to, uh, her to mess with this black dude from the United States. That's what the whole movie about. Mm-hmm. So when we look at Indi- uh, Indians from India in the black community, they treat us like these. They mm. treat us like we're going to hurt them. Right, but you in our community want our dollars. Facts. Asians, right? Other Asians, same thing. Own they own our hair product, right? Black hair care products is a multi-billion-dollar industry that only African Americans can use. 
and it's controlled by everybody but black people, including the stores that sell it to you. Mm-hmm. And so they in your community, most likely they're owned by Asians. Why is this important? Because I ain't talking about, I, I'm not saying I'll be against immigrants or other so-called minorities. I'm not saying that. I'm saying that there's a history that needs to be healed around the dirt that you didn't did to us. Affirmative action is being uh, is about to be struck down because of Asians. They mm-hmm. once again sue because of um, what they think is uh, admission policies that favor African Americans into Ivy League schools. Yeah. In yeah. this Supreme Court, and this is the second or third case, but this Supreme Court is going to go ahead and strike down affirmative action. Mm-hmm. Right? And, and it's not a white person that brought the case. It's Asian. Yep. So we have to deal they with... They don't even realize how much that's going to hurt themselves. <laughs> that's, the, that's the crazy part. Right? So we, we that's the crazy part. <laughs> They're going to be right there outside the school saying, man, I wish I could get an education too. <laughs> right, because when they say when they come for you, when they come for me, they come for all of us. Mm-hmm. Right, but but that that's not how some believe because some believe the treatment we're getting, we deserve, and because we're getting this treatment, we deserve it because we're criminal. But we're not looking at the conditions that created the criminality within the African American community. Mm-hmm. Right, and so, uh, so like I said to your question, no. I, I can't depend on them, but here's the part that I thought you was going to ask me. Mm-hmm. I can't depend on black people either. Mm. So the first time in our history, this is what they did to us. During enslavement, we were enslaved and there was some free and we created and built institutions all about pushing us forward to our freedom. Not that we all agreed on how to get to be free mm-hmm. or what freedom meant, but we was all working towards that. Yeah. Right. During Jim Crow, you had a billion institutions fighting for not only our equity, our equality uh, across the board, but also to put in place the things that we need in our Mm -hmm. own community. And so when we talk about the red summer of 1919, where white people in the United States attack all these uh, black communities mm-hmm. like Rosewood. Um, Man, that's a good movie, actually. Yeah, it's a good movie. Although it's inaccurate. I'm a Prince Hall Mason, as you can see, right? I'm a Prince Hall mm-hmm. Mason. And mm-hmm. that whole scene of the white guy going to a black guy because they Masons is erroneous, right? Yeah. The only people that I recognize as a, a prince as, as a Mason, if they, you ain't Prince Hall, I don't recognize you as a Mason. I recognize, meaning we will not have any fraternal conversations at all. I might hit the what's up, especially if you're black, right? There's some black people who join the white organizations and we hit the what's up, but we ain't in the same organization. And the reason why is because white people didn't want to recognize black people. Almost every Mm -hmm. Southern state, if not all Southern states, still do not recognize Prince Hall Freemasonry as a legitimate form of Freemasonry, okay? Mm -hmm. And so no white Mason would need to go to a black Mason to ask for help. He would go to a white mason because a white mason would cover it up for him. Mm-hmm. Period. He wouldn't have to come to us because we don't. We weren't at the wheels of power, anyhow. But yes, you're right. It was a good movie. But the reason why they're attacking African American uh, communities is because those World War One veterans are coming back, but because African Americans are building institutions in their own community. 
The first so-called race riot, but we're going to, in African-American history, in African-American studies, we call them race massacres. The first race massacres happened in 1866. When did the Civil War end? 1865. By 1866, you get a, a, a race massacre in Hampton Road right now. I would say it was like in either Norfolk or Hampton. You, mm -hmm. get, um, you get one in Memphis. Well, you get mm -hmm. one in New Orleans. So I think it... Uh, I think the order was Hampton Road, New Orleans, Memphis, right? Mm -hmm. 1866. You get Wilmington, North Carolina, in 1898, where they literally run black people out of the town, take their property, say that they abandoned it and sold it to the white folks, right? Mm -hmm. This is Wilmington. In 1906, you get Atlanta, right? I can keep on naming. Everybody want to talk about God dog on Tulsa, and Tulsa is important, but it ain't the only one. Why I'm bringing mm -hmm. these up is that what they actually are attacking is black institutions, because black institutions was a way for us to mm -hmm. make our way. But guess what the so-called civil rights movement did? Destroyed our institutions from within, because mm -hmm. now black people move away from their own communities. They yeah. destroy the pillars of African-American community or the uh, African-American yeah, community through destroying their institutions. Now you got black Greek little organizations. I was on the phone with one of my friends who was in a black Greek little organization. And he was talking about how this other guy, which is in a different black Greek little organization, never offered to help him in getting a job somewhere. And I said, you know why? Because the information that's being passed down now is about your individual fraternity and helping them. And that's not what the organization was started about. The organization mm -hmm. was started to teach you how to help black people. If you can then help a brother, that's great. But you're supposed to be helping black people. Right. right? And so that is how we just are destroying our own institutions. And so now the very institutions like the black church, who is now teaching um, has a prosperity theology and not a um, black liberation theology mm -hmm. that James Cone talked about. You're teaching a prosperity theology. You're trying to tell black people as Christians it's okay to be capitalist to get into heaven. Mm -hmm. Right? Was dismantling the black liberation theology, right? Our black or uh, fraternal organizations, right? Uh, mm -hmm. This is my particular research. My particular research is on Prince Hall Freemasonry in the South. Mm -hmm. And one of the things I look at is what no movement of African Americans in the United States can be talked about without talking about Prince Hall and other fraternal organizations mm -hmm. involved in those movements, both in, in terms of financial, in, time, mm -hmm. in terms of leadership, in terms of putting black bodies on the front line. You cannot talk about any of these movements. So it's not just the black church. It's all I, I talk about, I call it the web of networks. And so there's mm -hmm. this web of network that African-Americans are able to tap into. And this is what they got us at, is that we don't have, not only do we not have that web of networks anymore, mm -hmm. we don't have those black institutions. And so when they come for this, you're going to be stuck behind enemy lines because you decided to live beside all these goddamn white people. You are estranged from the black church or mm -hmm. the black church you go to is teaching you about being a black capitalist. That's, that's be your own oppression instead of telling you about black liberation theology, right? Mm -hmm. And so we are losing, the NAACP is giving image awards to people like uh, Tyler Perry. 
when if Tyler Perry would have been a white person, we would have been boycotting them. Mm. Right? And so our institutions are failing us. And now the government is coming for us, and we don't have not one goddamn institution. Even our HBCUs are failing us. Mm -hmm. Right? Because they want to stay open and not teach this. Right? Mm -hmm. They want to stay open and not actually have the rigor to create black leaders. Not all of them, but some of them. Mm -hmm. Right? And so the, our institutions are failing us at a moment when we need them the most. Mm -hmm. And so unlike the Nadir period, which then they could then take their pennies and create billion-dollar organizations, now that we are actually, the United States, African-Americans have over a trillion dollars. I want to say more than a trillion, but at least a trillion dollars in spending power, which means if we mm -hmm. kept our money in our own community, we would have a larger budget in some nations, right? And we won't have to depend on anybody. This is what they are afraid of. The boys, uh, when he was at Atlanta University before Clark, because Clark was his own school and Atlanta University was his own school. So when he was at Atlanta mm -hmm. University, he had a series of um, conferences where he talked these things out. Where if you would be in my African American history course, mm -hmm. right, you would learn about it. So you would learn about cooperative businesses. Mm -hmm. You would learn about these black organizations, right? These the fraternal organizations and their role in the black community. Mm -hmm. You would learn about this stuff, but you're not taking these. And this, once again, going back to the topic of this, why they are attacking critical race theory, because they don't want you to learn these kind of things. They don't want to learn. They don't want you to learn that your people, you don't got to create a new blueprint. Your people already got a blueprint. They had to get you so far away from that blueprint, chasing and trying to become like them. Right. Right. That you don't even know your history and you don't value it. You don't even want to learn it. Mm. That's facts. That's facts. They, yeah. Wow. Dude. Dude. Yeah. Man. Bro, that's some, bro, that's some tough stuff to swallow. Cause I'm just sit, really sitting here thinking about, I'm like, man, we really don't, I was like, we really don't help each other the way that we used to. We don't, we don't, we don't, uh, we don't have the same sense of community no more. Like I've noticed it like just from, just from being in born in the nineties to now, like it's, it's even worse. Like right. it has not, it has ever gotten better. Like somebody's like, oh, we're more connected than ever through social media. I'm like, that is a fa facade. That is a complete facade. Social media means nothing. Armchair activism, right? Yeah. Everybody can be an armchair activist, right? Yeah. But but putting in the work, man, that ain't work. That ain't work. <laughs> and so everybody can retweet something. Everybody can, you know, turn their profile picture black for one damn day. Yes. And then go say go back to the same people the day before and the day after, right? But we're gonna mm -hmm. boy on this one day, right? And so uh, once again, you know, not to promote my podcast too much, but my very first episode of Black Rage, I play King's last speech that you've never heard. You've never heard King because King before he died was a black nationalist, and so because, before uh, you're, you're talking about are you, you're talking about the speech that's on economics, right? Yep. Yeah, yeah, I heard that. I heard that. I went, I went and looked it up for myself. I said, "Yo, no wonder they got him up out of there." That's why they, they had to. Here. They had right. to. They had, had to. all the momentum, like, and everybody was hearing that. Like, that, that would capitalism, like most of the companies and all that corporate structure that we have today, wouldn't even made it. They wouldn't right. survive. 
State Farm is a great example who did you either did not allow African-Americans to get policies with them or overcharge them. But State Farm now want to bring everything that black people do is brought to you by State Farm. Right. Like, mm -hmm. whereas King was like, you should be with the black insurance company. Yeah. You should have the right to buy at State Farm, but you should be with the black insurance company. He mm -hmm. was like, let's have a bank in movement. Right. Like, well, y'all ain't ready for that. Right. Like, we ain't ready for that conversation. Yeah. And that's the reason why you ain't never heard on a national platform the conversation that King was having the day that he the day before he died. Right. We don't want to talk about April the 3rd. We only want to talk about the prophetic utterance at the end. I may not get there with you. That's the part we want to keep on playing. We want to mm -hmm. play the uh, uh, um, uh, don't judge you by the color of your skin in yeah. 63. And then we want to jump to the mountaintop at the end. Of, mm -hmm. you know, at the end. But we don't want to deal with the changes that King went through. And we surely mm -hmm. don't want to deal with the speech that he actually gave the day before he got doggone died. Right? And mm -hmm. so these black institutions, once again... History is one of the most important fields, no matter what you decide to do in your life, knowing your history yeah. is going to be the guidepost. And that's why critical race theory, and because they couldn't talk about going after history. Mm -hmm. So I'm going to make history into critical race theory and go after it to erase black presence in the story. Mm -hmm. Right? And by erasing those stories, you can't learn what your people went through and what you got wh where you need to be going to. Yeah, because um, like, because I remember I, I I seen the Texas textbook and like everybody was up in arms because it said it said for the slaves it said some of them chose to come here. I said no, they didn't. Right. There was no option for no. anybody. It was yo get on this boat. Well, they ain't saying. Oh. And it wasn't even it wasn't even it wasn't even a, a joke. Get on this boat. It was just like kind of just knock you upside your head and get to walking. Like yeah, they they, they you was shackled together and, and y'all had to mm -hmm. you know uh, under threat of right. And we call that the rest and all this other kind of stuff, right? Uh, and so uh, yeah, no, no. And, and so you you can't learn that, you, right? Because now all of a sudden that history is changing things. I. So a little bit of biography about me. I'm a North Memphis, which is an economically depressed community in, in Memphis. The zip code that I was a part of, 38108, during the time that I was coming up, in all crimes committed, it was number one in the nation for years, 38108. And so some of the people like Project Pat, you might know of, mm -hmm. um, um, uh, the guy at 3-6. Uh, Are you talking about what, Juicy J? And, uh, Juicy J, the, he's from 38108, right? Mm -hmm. um, um, Yo Gotti, he mm -hmm. claims Ridgeway, and so that's North Memphis. Um, so, you know what I'm saying? So, I come out of this, and it wasn't until I got to college and took my first African-American study and history courses mm -hmm. that set me down this path. That's how powerful learning your history is. Because once it's unlocked, think about this, right? Uh, if uh, somebody told me this, and so I never looked it up, but Bo, uh, uh, Chadwick Bozeman and the director of Black Panther mm -hmm. either uh, minored in African-American studies or majored in African-American studies. Mm -hmm. and, and the reason why they were able to do so well with Black Panther and make that such a visually stunning movie Mm -hmm. was because of that root in African-American studies. Right. Right. And so you don't have to then do 
right? And so everybody that's in, you know, whether you want to be a doctor or a lawyer or a teacher or whatever, you should be taking African-American history or study courses. Mm -hmm. And if you are finished, you got your degree, you need to learn because you need to learn these histories, especially how black people were treated in your field, right? Like if you learn these things, you then will unlock some stuff, right? If you understand nursing, right? If you understand nursing, the way the reason why nurses are paid the way they are paid, the way they're treated and all that, is because of black women and mm -hmm. their historical role as nurses and midwives. Right? Mm -hmm. it, it, and so it's an amazing thing to under like when you understand these connections. And so this mm -hmm. is what they're after. Because if this continues down that road, if everybody becomes a, a you know understanding of it. Right then you, go, you can create change. Because now we all, like when I was in school, before I got to school, I had never heard of intersectionality. Now you mm -hmm. have keep people in high school talking about intersectionality. They come, through the, they come to college talking about intersectionality because mm -hmm. of a generation of learning about these concepts. So that, mm -hmm. that's what they want to take out. They want to take those things out because now all of a sudden, once you, once you know something, you can't unsee it. Yeah. Yeah, that's facts. That's facts. That's facts. Cause it, it it's it's um yeah, it's like, you know what I'm saying? Once that once that veil gets lifted over your eyes and you can actually like just see the world for what it is, it just becomes a very, very crazy place. And you just see a lot of things like it's almost it's almost depressing in a way. You know what I'm saying? It it's just to be honest, it's almost depressing in a way. Because you see all these things occurring and you're like the next step is this and it literally happens and you and you're absolute and you're looking back and you're like i see this from you know what i'm saying from 1970 you know what i'm saying like this coming you know what i'm saying or i see this from whatever year like you go back to and history just repeats itself it's always been cyclical prime example 2008 you got a white woman running against a black man mm -hmm. you get the 15th amendment which uh which of these oppressed groups are gonna be first? African Americans get the right to vote. African American men get the right to vote with the Fifteenth Amendment, mm -hmm. which then ushered in Nadir and Jim Crow. Mm -hmm. Obama becomes the president, which then creates a blacklash, right? Not a backlash, a blacklash. Mm -hmm. So this blacklash brings in Trump, and here we are heading towards, right? And so the same signifiers, mm -hmm. right? Same ones, yeah. are eating themselves. And so, in two thousand and eight, I predicted we would be in this moment. Mm -hmm. I've been, you know, uh, it's, but I am not depressed about it. I'm, I'm. The thing that depressed me the most is giving this information out, trying to get people to understand, and for them to say, you know what, I got to get mine. The only yeah. color I see is green. That individual, like Europeans have been trying, this Western world been trying to individualize us, to, to, for us to buy into being individuals. Mm -hmm. And so you got a whole culture of Black people buying into being individuals and economically individuals. And I'm like, I'm an individual who's going to go get mine and not care about the blowback is going to happen on the Black community. So I can sell drugs, I can kill people, I can do whatever, I, I can rob, right? I can do all these things. That's mm -hmm. a detriment to us as a people, mm -hmm. but it's also producing where I don't look out for my neighbors and all this other kind of stuff, right? Mm 
This is exactly the thinking white people want or Europeans want us to have. This is the thinking that because this is how they can destroy us. Because when they come from smooth, I'm gonna say they came from smooth. That ain't got nothing to do with me. Right. He wasn't slick with his. I'm slick with mine. Right. right? But part of the reason why I'm wearing my short shirt, right? I, I you know, want it. Right? Rosa Paul, Harriet Tubman, and y'all can't see Angela Davis and Asada Shakur. Right? Mm-hmm. Want it. These black women want it, right? For what? Yeah. For fighting for black people. Yeah. Right? Now, but but y'all, y'all, but, but when Rosa Parks did her thing, y'all, y'all would have been like, if, Ro, if there's a need for a Rosa Parks today, y'all finna sit y'all ass down. Mm-hmm. Y'all ain't gonna stand up for her. <laughs> y'all gonna sit that hell down. Yeah, yeah, they'll tweet, they'll tweet, they'll throw up a couple tweets and then be on to the next thing by oh, the next they, 12 hours. They, they'll participate in capitalism, they'll participate, they'll, they'll keep everything going, right? Mm-hmm. It wouldn't impact, right? So part of, so one of the things I talk about on my podcast, uh, uh, Black Rage, is if you say you're African-American, if you say you're anything, that means you got a responsibility to something. Guess what responsibility mm-hmm. means? That means you got to make a sacrifice for something. Yeah. Right? I, I, I'm a father, which means I have a responsibility to my son. Mm-hmm. And by having a responsibility to my son, that means I sacrifice a whole lot. He, like, th- there's a reason why they come crumb snatchers. I can literally be about to bite into something. He was like, Daddy, can I have that? Ah, damn, huh? <laughs> right? Like, right? Man, like, <laughs> right? Mm-hmm. You got to be willing to hold yourself back and sacrifice some things. For something that you say you are a part of. So Derek, my son named Derek. And so he a part of the family. He's part of my family. So I'm a sacrifice for him. Mm-hmm. My family are part of the African-American community. So I'm a sacrifice for them, right? I'm part of the African-American community. Mm-hmm. And so that's, we, we don't have that, you know, mentality. So, you know, we got to, we, we got to have skin in the game. We got to be willing to sacrifice something. And so far, none of the movements that we've had make us sacrifice anything. Man, that's man. You know what? That might that might be that might be where we where where we end at. Like, because <laughs> we like people ain't ready to sacrifice. Like, I I I agree. I agree. I'm even I'm even like even myself. I found myself like halfway like like during like during COVID, for instance, right? There was um like I, I remember this like it was yesterday. There was some um. There was some protesting going on, right? Right. There was protesting going on during COVID. And it was right down from my window or whatever. People were people were marching in the street, you know. Um, I forget what exactly happened, but it was happened simultaneously everywhere. Joy Floyd. Joy Okay, yeah, it was Joy Floyd. It was Joy Floyd. It was simultaneously happening everywhere. And I was like, I looked out my window, I looked down there, and I went, I can go down there, I can go walk with them. But then immediately I went, so so how far? How far am I walking? Where where am I going? Where are they going? You know what I'm saying? But I think the only thing that I did that was a net positive, kind of, was starting my podcast. And actually, like, we talked about it. It was me and, like, four other people. And we that's that's how this podcast got started. And that's the very first episode. You know what I'm saying? And then, then I'm able to do episodes like this. And I'm able to, like, support other Black people creators and black people in general just through different interactions like that that's that's what I did but I still feel like 
in that moment, I should have walked with him. Like to this day, that that moment still haunts me because in my head, because I'm like, I should have went out there. There was nothing holding me back. I I had nothing going on. There was nothing on TV. I didn't want to play any games. Like I just sat there and watched them walk for 30 minutes. I literally was just on my balcony just watching them walk. It was the longest line of people I had ever seen. <laughs> so let me say, let me say, historically, African Americans have had different ways to get the freedom and, and equity and equality, right? And so marching is one of those ways. I don't, m- my personal space is not that. But my personal space, right? And so I am a, I believe in the Second Amendment. I'm a Southerner. Mm-hmm. I believe in the Second Amendment. And so the thing that I did for my 21st birthday was give me a handgun, right? And a handgun license. And so because of what I was seeing in the news of how these protesters are being attacked, I'm not marching with them. I'm walking like the deacons for defense, protecting them. And so if you would have come running up on us, if you was trying to drive your little car through and all this other kind of stuff, you would have had to meet me, right? They are the nonviolent ones, right? Um, mm-hmm. Uh, I am the, on the other side of that, right? I'm on the other side of self-defense. I believe in self-defense. And so if you don't come attack me, I won't attack you. Mm-hmm. I won't defend myself. So you don't come over here, I won't come over there. Uh, and, so it, and so what that means, what I'm trying to say is that might not be the way that you need to be protesting, right? That might be, you know, from an economic standpoint, right? Divesting yourself away from these companies who refuse to speak up and speak out or, or giving up. Like right now, one of the things I'm talking about on my podcast, all these companies that promised all these billions of dollars when George Floyd was hot in the news and they ain't gave, like most of them ain't gave a quarter towards that. Divesting ourselves away from that, right? Holding mm-hmm. them accountable, right? Holding, you know, Biden accountable, right? And, and, and so there's a different ways to, to, to do it, but you got to have skin in the game. Right, protest is one way. Nonviolent protest is a way. It ain't the only way. And so you don't have to feel bad about not participating in that particular protest. But then what is it that you will do, right? What is it like, you know, because I I I I personally have several private boycotts that goes on right now. Like mm-hmm. there's a whole bunch of places I don't shop at. Period. Yeah. Right? I, I don't bank with certain people, right? Because of, the, of their history. Mm-hmm. And they're treatment of black people, right? I, there's there's some things I decide like I don't care if all black people do this, I won't. Period, right? And so those are the things that you can, you know. Uh, so I want to leave the audience with that. Like there is a multi, like as long as you're working within freedom, equity, and equality for black people, we don't have to believe that because there's not one road to get there. We need everybody working uh, all the roads. Right. There's not one road to get there, but you got to be working towards freedom, equity and equality. So like a Clarence Thomas, Clarence Thomas is not working towards equality, equity and freedom. Booker T. Washington, like when we think about the concept of sellouts, right, and, and like I said, we'll leave it at that, right? But when we think about the idea of sellouts, we, we'll talk about Booker T. Washington out there and he's not a sellout. I'm a Booker T. Washington fan. Booker T. Washington was right, but that's another conversation. Here's why. He, it's important to distinguish Clarence Thomas from Booker T. Washington. Booker T. Washington, well, you might not agree with everybody that's work, trying to work towards freedom, equity, and equality, and how they're trying to get there. You might not agree with it, but they're actually doing that. Mm-hmm. 
Whereas Clarence Thomas is not actually, and and Ben Carson and uh, the pop the the uh, Domino Pizza guy that died um, in Oklahoma uh, because he caught COVID trying to visit uh, Trump rally. Oh um, yeah, yeah, that guy, right? Whatever his name was, right? They are not for black people. They're not fighting for equal white equality, right, and freedom. And so the, it's not a a philosophy of what they're doing, they're not doing it. And so we got to, you know, um, leave it, you know, distinguish those two things. And so there's a lot of roles there. And so you got to figure out what your road is. You pick your role and and then be friends with and work with, and, or at least don't mm -hmm. get in the goddamn way of other people's mm -hmm. roles, even if you don't agree with it. Like that's not like, you know, somebody might, you know, listen to this podcast and want, you know, uh, and think, yeah, a, a revolution, a, a, a violent revolution, not violent, a um, a revolution will take place, right? Mm -hmm. Using weaponry, right? And so this revolution that takes place using weaponry, they might think that is a route. If you don't think that's a route, just don't get in their goddamn way. That's fine. You don't think it's a route. That's fine. Mm -hmm. Just don't get in their way. Right, mm -hmm. it, it's not an either or, and that's one of the things that, from a history standpoint, that we need to learn from right now. Before we get to having an elect black leaders and all this other kind of stuff, is not to do this versus. It's an and. It's always and. As long as they're working mm -hmm. for black freedom, equity and equality, then it's an and. We can have Martin Luther King Jr. and El Hodge, uh, Malik El Sabaz. That's an and. We can have Stokely mm -hmm. Carmichael and John Lewis, right? Mm -hmm. you know, it's not or. It's and. Okay. All right. All right. Um, is there any uh? Do you wanna you wanna pub yourself, pub your podcast one more time before we get up out of here? All right. And so the podcast dedicated to the the wisdom that my mother, this black southern woman, taught me. Uh name, uh the name of that podcast is Mama Lesson Number One. I'm relaunching it. Uh I'm actually editing it. It's gonna be out um this Wednesday. And I don't know what today's date is, but yeah, it's gonna be out today. Uh and I'm looking at black love, uh why I love black women, because so many of us talk about um, while we don't date black women, I only date black women, and, 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 and that's that podcast. And then I'm relaunching uh, Black Rage and Black Rage. You can find all, both of those on Spotify. Uh, black Rage is also on Apple, uh, Google, and the rest of them. But uh, Mama Lesson Number One is not because of everybody doing podcasts, and so that process is taking longer. And so um, uh, Black Rage, uh, I'm coming in talking about Roe versus Wade and these other kind of issues that's uh, facing black people today. Okay, okay. But yeah, y'all make sure y'all go check him out on all those platforms. Mama Lesson number one and the Black Rage, um, Black Rage Podcast, correct? Yep, Black yeah, Rage yeah, Podcast. Black Rage Podcast. Um, this has been Homeroom with Smooth, episode 131. Y'all make sure y'all like, comment, and subscribe, and also leave us a review on the podcast platforms. We are out of here.